And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, reporting to you live from Death Valley, California. My name, in fact, is Michael. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. Joining me tonight is Robert Murch. Robert is the world's foremost collector, historian, and expert on Ouija and talking boards and serves as the chairman of the board for Talking Board Historical Society, which he founded. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this, live and direct right now on YouTube and heard around the world. Hello to you out there. You can find the podcast rendition of this program by searching Michael Deacon on all of your favorite podcast media platforms. Tonight we are gathered here for a very special Halloween edition of the Michael Deacon program. There is, in fact, magic in the air. Tonight marks the fourth anniversary of the program. Can you believe that? I'm quite nostalgic again tonight. I hope all of you are excited for this evening. I certainly love Halloween. This is my favorite time of the year. Do you like Halloween or do you think it stinks out there? What's your opinion? I have many memories of trick-or-treating in my neighborhood. Do you? Do you recall the days when you were actually able to trick-or-treat? Yes, circle of friends, no doubt. Shout out to all of you in the chat room right now, and of course, those who listen primarily on the podcast version of this program. Now, without further ado, let's get down to brass taxes and bring in our guest who is patiently waiting right now. And I believe, Robert, are you ready to go? I'm here. Very nice. Robert, how are you, by the way? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, and um, especially tonight. Happy Halloween, everyone. Oh, yes. I'm sure everyone is excited. And of course, I want to thank you so much for spending your evening with us. And are you excited that it's actually Halloween or are you kind of over it already, Robert? <laughs> I love it. I, I, obviously, October is like the, the crazy busy time in, in our lives. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it all kind of climaxes with Halloween. So I, I'm excited. I love this time of year. Me too. And I'm glad you're here. This is the fourth anniversary, the fourth anniversary of this program. It's the special extravaganza. Not really, but you know, I like to pretend <laughs> that it's special, even though it's only been four years. It's not that long, but you know, I like to um, play it up like it's a big deal, but it really isn't. It is a big deal. Four years is a long time to be doing anything. Well, I guess so, but I've been having a great time and time flies by. And that's what I noticed. Yes. It feels like it was just yesterday, but regardless, I'm glad you're here and Robert, I want you to take us through everything. I, I want to talk about your life and how you even got involved with, well, your whole house is filled with Ouija boards, Robert. I think we need to talk <laughs> here. Is. I think we need to have a discussion here. Well, what's <laughs> yeah, going my, on with you, Robert? House, Tell, yes, take us from the beginning here. Let, let's start there. The, yeah, my house is basically a museum to the Ouija board. And, you know, it's, it's all kinds of, I don't just collect Ouija boards. I collect everything around it so that I can see into every decade as to how people saw and experienced the Ouija boards in whatever decade we're talking about. So, um, that's sheet music, uh, magazine articles, magazine covers, uh, regular music, albums, you name it. However, um, you know, right back to plays and then silent movies. Uh, so the house is full of everything. I also have a ginormous storage unit. Uh, I probably have about two to 300 boards on display. Uh, we turned our the basement into uh, kind of a personal Ouija museum. 
where uh, a lot of the boards I like to use and, and film at. And uh, I had some back surgery. So we, we created a place where I could film and do podcasts from without having to be so mobile and being kind of shipped all over the country. Every time there's a, uh, a cool Ouija board thing that someone wants me to go to, which was my life before the back surgery. So now uh, you guys get to come visit me as opposed to me visiting you. Interesting. And Robert, what was your childhood like? What was mom and dad like? <laughs> my my uh, my childhood was actually super boring. But um, basically, I was raised uh, an Orthodox Jew. And if, really? if anyone's seen pictures of me, I, I don't look like. Uh, I'm not a practicing Orthodox Jew, um, but I was raised that way. And uh, anyone who's been raised in any Orthodox religion knows that uh, all of this stuff, the, the paranormal, is just baked into your existence. When, when you're it, when you're kind of exposed to things at a young age, like I was, um, you know, God, the devil, demons, angels, uh, ghosts, witches, it, sure. it's all in the Bible. So it, you're not afraid of it. And it's not... Um, because it's so near to you. You know, if you're Orthodox, you believe that this stuff is real and exists all the time. So you don't have the fear of having to accept something. You, you've already, you know, grown up in a world where this is real. So, um, that, that was a very cool thing. I didn't have to overcome what I hear some people being afraid of, uh, something they don't understand. But, uh, basically my grandmother was a really cool, cool woman and my parents got divorced when I was two. I see. Okay. And my mom, uh, and my brother moved in with her parents and, you know, grandparents are wonderful. They're, they're really cool people because they're your parents without being your parents. They're they love more. you no matter what. Right. You're never in trouble. Um, they're a bit open. They're a bit more open-minded. I, I realized. Yeah. Like all of us, as we get older, we kind of like, eh, you know, what's the big deal? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so you were close yeah, to your grandparents then. Very close okay. to my grandparents and, uh, my grandmother, basically uh, loved the supernatural and she loved uh, I would not horror but she liked sci-fi and you know paranormal stuff and she snuck me into a, a movie in 1986 called Witchboard and I was 13 years old and I legitimately snuck me into the movie oh, theater so grandma I, grandma corrupted you mm-hmm nice. 100% and I what basically happened at 13 was I was just I was amazed that a piece of cardboard and plastic had so much power over people, that there was such a visceral reaction that it stuck with me that, wow, this movie, uh, you know, basically the main character is the board. And I just, it was so amazing to me. And then kind of forward a little bit to, I, I went to school at the university of New Hampshire. Um, and you know, again, new England thing. And I, I had, a, I was in a quad. I had three roommates and they decided they wanted to rush for fraternity. And I knew that if I did that, obviously, I would not graduate college. So that was a bad move, would have been a bad move for me. But it was cool to have friends that were in a fraternity. You could go to the parties and still come back and study. So um, part of their rushing for a fraternity was they had to do a treasure hunt. And on the treasure hunt was find an old Ouija board. And anyone who grows up in New England, uh, this is what you do on the weekends, right? You go antiquing, flea marketing, yard sailing. And I knew I had seen them. So I picked a bunch up. And um, when they, when it was all over and they got into their fraternity, all these people gave me back these Ouija boards and there was 10 of them and they were all different. And I thought, probably like a lot of your listeners are thinking, 
isn't there only one Ouija board? And uh, the answer is no, definitely not. So uh, I went to a library uh, and every encyclopedia that I took off the shelves, Funk and Wagnalls, uh, Britannica, it, they all said the Ouija board came from someplace else. And I couldn't imagine, I couldn't understand this. They didn't agree. And I thought, wait a minute, everyone knows what the Ouija board is. If you put this in front of a five-year-old, they know to put their hands on it and ask a question. Everyone's got a story, whether it's theirs or friends or family members, but we don't know where it comes from. How could that be? So that set me off into, uh, you know, that was 1992. That set me off into a journey till 2020 where we are still discovering and uncovering these amazing um, things that were forgotten in history. And, and that's mostly the Ouija board's history was mostly just forgotten, just got lost. And no one really knows the true origins. We do. We, we basically, we actually know it pretty well. Uh, and, and I think part of the, part of the thing is, is I don't want to demystify the mystifying Oracle, right? I that, see. that is not what I love to do is, um, research something that has really, you know, it has really cast a spell over America and the rest of the world. And, and I, I don't want to undo that. I, I just like to follow the, the trail. And basically when I say this set me off on a mission, I literally needed to find out who, what was the company, who were the people, and then I tracked down living descendants of those people, and then we go through their attics and basements until we find clues, and we've been able to piece this together. And, and today, um, you know, I founded the Talking Board Historical Society, which is a nonprofit, um, which we have quite a few really, really interesting people um, who, who are doing all kinds of things like this at the same time. So there's a group of us that are, are dedicated to preserving this very unique history. And uh, part of that was uh, years ago, I think it was 2012 or 2013, um, when I was uh, researching in the Baltimore Sun, they had a, a bunch of newspapers which are still not cataloged or scanned in. So you literally have to read every word on every article through uh, microfiche, which is like super mind numbing. And in 1919, where there was a lot of action on the Ouija board, I actually found a series of letters to the editor where the originators, 30 years later, tell their story as to what happened one night in 1890, where uh, the board that would become Ouija would get its name. Understood. And not to change course completely here, but I just wanted to quickly get your opinion on, let's say, like the tarot deck. So, you know, I had an interesting. Uh, kind of six hour interview years ago. Six hours. Warren. Yeah, it was, it was a great, I, Lorraine Warren uh, was an old friend of mine and um, she knew me from my high school years when I was interested in the Ouija board. And then um, in college when I really started collecting and uh, she basically, you know, was always involved in telling me that these kind of things were not great to be around. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I wanted to talk to her about it. And interesting, in the six hours in interview that we did about her take on the Ouija board, wow. we actually really agreed on something, which I think people didn't think we would. Uh, and, and that was there's no difference between, um, you know, a magic eight ball or a Ouija board or a K2 meter or an EVP recorder or a spirit box or, or, or. And, and where we draw the line, where we found that we were in the same place is that they're all acts of conjuring, right? Anytime you go to something and you ask for something and you don't know what you're asking, you don't know who you're asking, 
or um, what you're talking to, you're conjuring. You, you are calling something to you. And if there's danger in spirit communication, that's where the danger happens. It's in that act of conjuring and, and what you bring to it and what you're trying to contact and the questions you ask. And the Ouija board is slightly unique when it comes to that. There is a difference to the Ouija board, but it's, it's, it's a difference we create. Understood. And I'm, I'm still just amazed that you were talking to her for six hours. It's a <laughs> we long had many time. conversations through high school uh, when Ed was still alive, too. Most of it was them yelling at me, telling me um, that I was putting my mortal soul uh, in, in danger, danger, which uh, all, these, okay. all these years later, um, you know, uh, I have, have yet to. But that's because of how I go, how I go about it. And I, I do understand, you know, Ouija boards uh, or talking boards, the general class of, that these are called. They were born out of the spirit communication movement. I mean, they were born out of the spiritualist movement. They just were. They were meant to talk to the dead. The Ouija board is slightly different because um, Ouija is a trademark and has been in continuous use since 1890. So the Ouija board has always been marketed as a game and they let the user decide how you want to use it. Like, do you want to say, oh, Ouija, does Bobby like me? Or do you want to say, Grandma, are you there? They don't tell you what to do. And it was just a brilliant move because the Ouija board is basically um, spiritualism meeting capitalism, right? You know, the makers of the Ouija board saw if if people are going to buy our talking board, then it has to be better and cooler and have a greater story. And part of those yeah. stories are how the Ouija board gets its name exactly, and how it gets proven at the patent office. And they use all of these things. But Charles Kennard realizes real shortly that, you know, it, if I market this towards spiritualists, that's very small. That's a small population, right? But if you marketed it towards everyone, then you could put one in every parlor in America. And and that's what their goal was. That was what they were trying to do. Is that your dog? That was uh, – it was a dog. A dog. We have some friends over. So I'm so sorry. Oh. We have friends over and uh, – That's okay. I was just going to ask what's his name or her name. It, it's Thelma and Louise. One of them was barking. Uh, I love that. And by the way, going going back to Ed and Lorraine really quickly here, did you like the movie The Conjuring? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm also a, a friend of um, Andrea Perrin, so I've been very versed in and growing up in New England, obviously very versed in this particular story. So, um, you know, I, I like that, and and I know because I work in the movies, and I uh, get to consult on movies you were that consulted. use boards or okay. TV shows, right? So, nice. So I consult on a lot of these movies and, and it it's nice to see that they took an interest and in, in getting as much information as they could from the people involved. You know, so um, it was cool. I know that Warner Brothers worked hard in that first movie to to do that. Ah, So you're proud of the movie. It, it did a great job uh, portraying the story, I guess you can say. Yeah. Sort I mean, it, look, these uh, stories and ghost stories and ghosts, it's all it, Jeff Belanger. um he actually says it best when he says that ghosts are uh, history demanding to be noticed. And I, I really believe that. And I think it's true. And even when Lorraine or Ed would tell their stories, it, it, it's already through a filter, right? It's their experience many years later. And whether you believe this stuff is true, one of the neat things about Ed and Lorraine in my experience was I always believed they believed what they were talking about was true. Understood. Yeah, that, that's, 
That's what makes a great story is when you can lose your – if you can say, well, I didn't – I wouldn't normally believe something like this. But when someone is so in it and they believe it so passionately, it's hard not to get sucked in. And I, I think you know when, when good stories meet movies which are supposed to be entertainment, we're supposed to be entertained. It, it, for everyone who's listening, many, many real-life events get turned into movies and TV shows they don't happen exactly the same. They have to make it entertaining for the viewer or we wouldn't sit through them. Exactly. Kind of like all those ghost shows that we see in Bigfoot. I, well, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, have, I do not believe that a lack of evidence is not evidence. So just because we don't know something or see something doesn't mean it's not true. I, I, I have not had a bad experience with a Ouija board but that doesn't invalidate all the people who have had bad experiences with Ouija boards, you know, just like, you know, the reverse doesn't happen. You know, their experiences don't erase mine. So I, a I'm point. a big believer of being open. Sure, and sure. To, and and I, we're not going to solve anything, you know, like I, this debate as to what happens when you die and is there Bigfoot? And, you know, these have been going on a very long time. If humans have tried to understand where we come from and where we're going. That's right. And that takes us back to spiritualism and communication with the dead, which was all the rage in the late 19th and 20th centuries. Yep. You I got believe, it. I believe because in, we were oh, surrounded by death. You know, that's that's right. why. I mean, you, you have to look back in time. It, it's I'm a historian, right? So as a historian, you really have to sit in the time you're looking at and look around and, and try to take off your glasses of 2020 and the way we see things today. Because humans don't always see things. Words change. We change the meaning of words all the time. Sometimes they're positive and the, the next generation, it's a very negative thing. So same thing happens. The difference is, is in the 1800s, we were surrounded by death, whether that was um, – from poverty or whether it was from health, bad health care, or whether it was simply the Civil War, which killed a lot of people. Right. So people were surrounded by death in a way that they hadn't previously. So they were dealing with death on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you were losing a number of your family and friends every day, talking to the dead would be pretty normal because there's more of them than you. you know. And, and I think we forget that um, there was a time when you know mothers would have say 12 children six of them would die and when those children died they would dress them up in their sunday best and with the rest of their family they would have the last picture with this their dead child with their living children and they would put that on the wall because you know a memory of them dead is still better than no memory at all in this time so you know things change you know, our perspectives change on things and so death when death is pervasive in that time, it's hard for us to look at it because we live in a time where we push death very far away. Right. We, and go ahead. Sorry. Oh, we dye our hair. Um, you know, we, we are, take much better care of ourselves. Um, we live so much longer. Uh, we're a lot healthier. And we do everything we can to push death as far away for as long as, as much as we can. They didn't have that luxury back in the day. And here's just a simple example that I think really sums up this change. In the Civil War is when they started inventing um, being able to embalm people. Uh, up until then, you know, if someone died in your house, they were laid out in your parlor and you helped change the ice. And they might be buried in a family graveyard as opposed to a city graveyard. And, and if they did, you would help. 
You know, this death was in your house. There was no no way around it. In the Civil War, when they started doing embalming after the Civil War and all these people needed to be preserved so they could get home. Well, funeral parlors started popping up and, and death would leave the house and you would now go someplace else to celebrate someone's life or show her your respects or however you viewed it. But death left the house and the funeral parlor took the parlor with it. And, and today, if the, if the parlor is the room you did everything in, today, what's the room in your house or apartment where you do everything in? That would be the living room. The living room. Right. So the funeral took the parlor away, and we changed the name to the living room because death left the house. That's how far away we are. So when you're looking at – so for, for your listeners who are out there who are hearing this – Imagine a time where death was so pervasive that every aspect of your life revolved around death. And then right. think of where we are today, where we push everything, where we push death as far away as we can. By the way, I hope you tell my listeners about the safety coffins back in the day. I, well, there's all kinds of crazy things. I, it's not crazy. It's just it, it's amazing to us today that, that people worry. But there was a, a big worry, obviously, that um, and science wasn't that great, that people would be buried and wouldn't be dead. And, you know, they would put these strings and they have them. You see them sometimes um, online, but very rarely do they come up because people like to collect them. But they would have, you know, funeral or like graveyard bells. And literally the string would go into the ground, into the coffin, and you could ring the bell and pull the string so that someone could dig you up. That's pretty awesome, by, by the way. Yeah. I mean, and again, the reason being death was a bigger deal than it is today in the sense that we were active participants in death. Today, we are we sit much more back as an audience and death like happens to us as opposed to everything happening around death. And so our perspectives change. And when when you get further away from something, it gets scarier. And so spirit communication, the Ouija board, all of these things seem scary and mystical because one, we still haven't solved the secret as to what happens when you die. We have people who have very strong beliefs as to what happens, but we do not have facts. As to what happens. And, you know, there's the Ouija board allows you to experience and try to, quote, play with something that is the scariest thing you can imagine that's death. And today, Robert, I'm curious, you are not at all religious at all, correct? I, no, I'm, I'm still religious. You're I'm still just religious. not Orthodox. Okay. Okay. So. I'm Jewish and, uh, you know, I guess once a Jew, always a Jew, but I, I, I'm active in the sense of my faith, but I'm also a very spiritual. I think today most people would not classify themselves as religious because I don't think people go, uh, their lives do not revolve around their church or their temple um, as much as it used to. But I think most people, you know, consider themselves spiritual and I would consider myself in tune with the spiritual side of myself. Understood. And I hate to refer back to this, but... Uh, mom and dad, as time progressed, were they able to see what you've done with, with your house? <laughs> it's my my whole life. You know, I, I'm I'm 46 now. So, I mean, you're, we're talking about, you know, 1992. So I was 18, 19 years old. This is a long time that I've been I've been doing this. So uh, I don't think they remember me any other way. And I I make a joke and I always say my mom is so proud. It, you know, it's fun. It, it's I'm having a blast. You know, I, course, I, this is right. following a hobby that's taken me all over the world. You know, I've been to Sydney, uh, I've been to London, I've been to Paris, all talking about the Ouija board. So I, I, this is an amazing life that I've had and I've learned a lot and I've been able to share a lot with other people, which ironically 
what I've learned is the biggest part of the paranormal is sharing it with the living, not the dead. So it's, it's people working together and, and doing, going on ghost hunts and different things together. And I think, um, you know, no one's going to solve again, the mysteries of what happens. You may have an experience that leads you to believe something or not believe something, but you know, clearly we're not going to find the answer tonight. The fun is in trying, not necessarily accomplishing the goal. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Now, going back to the Ouija board here, why are young girls especially so drawn to Ouija boards and the other way around, it seems as well? I've known, well, we've all known plenty of um, girls in our lives and especially young girls when we're growing up. And, you know, I do remember a time or two when some of these girls I recall in, in my past, they told me about hearing weird knocks or hearing some voice outside their doors when their parents aren't home. Uh, why is that? Well, so today, um, where is it? In 1890, when the Ouija board makes its debut, um, again, talking boards, they've been around earlier. We're talking about like Ouija, the one everyone thinks about. Um, you know, there's at one time where people are absolutely using it to talk to the dead, to make themselves feel better for what, or just to be entertained. Well, today, the Ouija board is often young people's first on-purpose paranormal experience. Maybe in the past, they've heard something that's got them interested or seen something. But this is the first time they've tried to reach out and say, is anyone there? And and so it's become kind of a rite of passage for sleepovers, you know, for younger kids um, to play the Ouija board and, you know, to scare each other. And, and like I say, the reason I say people's first on purpose experience is because our first really burn into our brain. And, you know, whether the experience was good or bad, it doesn't remember. It doesn't matter. You remember it because it was your first. And the Ouija board is literally something that you'll either hear some people say, oh, my gosh, I remember playing it when I was little. I loved it. It was so much fun. Or, oh, we were never allowed to play those things and I would never have one in my house. Right. It all depends on how you were raised. And, and, and again, little girls, they have an experience where they something happens and they start screaming and, you know, they put the Ouija board away. Well, they're going to, for the rest of their lives, be like, don't want to have anything to do with that. But, but what happens with the Ouija board that is scary and where you can get into trouble, it, it, it almost happens after you're done playing the Ouija board. You know, what happens when you're playing it is that you may get messages you don't like to hear. But if you've lived any or you've been on public transportation, I hear things I don't, I never asked to hear. And they are way worse than what I hear through the Ouija board. So if I put things into perspective, it's what happens when you're done playing. Like, and as you said that, you know, it's what starts to scare people. It starts to weave a web and a story around what just happened. Right. And here's another strange tidbit about myself. I used to play acoustic guitar with a good friend of mine in the cemetery uh, for about three to four years. Yeah. And, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary ever happened to me. I always felt it was nice. I would play guitar around gravestones that I'm sure no one's been there for over a hundred years. Probably this is a very old graveyard, by the way, out here in uh, El Centro, California, where I live. And, uh, wow. yeah, I've spent plenty of time and nothing bad has ever happened. Do you think perhaps by me going there and playing guitar, do you think I probably made a few spirits happy perhaps? If they're yeah, hanging around, the, if they're hanging around, that the, is. Yeah. And so that's, that's the whole thing, right? So the question isn't, 
can you talk to ghosts through the Ouija board? It's can you talk to ghosts? Can you talk to someone who's died? And, you know, again, I always think it's funny. Graveyards in the 1800s were places people would go. And in 1700s and 1600s, you would go and have a picnic on Sundays after church. You would commune with your ancestors, just being around them and telling stories about them, remembering them. That was seen as a happy thing. So they weren't always seen as dark, scary places the way we see them today. Right. You know, I think today you'd be more afraid if you saw a family having a picnic on someone's grave. You'd probably call the police. But it was a it was seen as a much happier place. I get worried um, if I see someone coughing now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> right. that's another thing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's how people, you know, again, how things change. And so today, uh, I always think it's funny because, again, we don't really know much about what happens when you die. Right, and yet, right. Here we are deciding that that a graveyard would be a scary place. Most people never visit the graveyard they're going to be buried in when they die. So why, if you could hang around, would you possibly hang around someplace you don't really have any attachment to, other than that's where your body happens to go? So I always find that because and people will say, well, because your body's there. Well, you've decided this belief is real for you. But is it? That's the power of belief and the power of your brain. I mean, I often wonder... People have these ghost stories, and, and I never doubt any of them. I believe every experience that someone is being, you know, is trying to be honest with me about. I will sit and listen to. Right. And um, but isn't it possible? Isn't it like that? If you move on, you die. What's left? The ghost is your memory of that person. What's left of them with you? And that why isn't it just as cool that a ghost is you projecting your memory of them? You want them to be there. The mind makes you it real. Them. Exactly. Right. But, but what if you really do create a ghost? Like, what if your brain can do that? So I, I don't, you know, I, how is that any more amazing than someone crossing the veil and coming back from the dead to talk to you? I mean, good point. You know, I don't know. So that's why I, I keep a very open I'm a mind. skeptic. Yeah. But I'm very open minded because, you. you know, there's something to everyone having a very similar experience. Understood. What is that? Who knows? That's the adventure. Right. And of course, I hate to bring up his name, but I'm sure you might be familiar with this gentleman, Whitley Strieber. Yes. You're quite familiar with Whitley, right? Yes. Do you think perhaps what he has, well, you're, you're quite familiar with him, I'm sure. Um, do you think perhaps what he went through caused so much trauma for him that now he sort of sees his wife, you know, anywhere and everywhere in his home? It's so hard. You know, you, when you, Scientific experience, experiments are wonderful when humans are not involved. There are so many variables to a human being that it is so hard to tell. You know, the Ouija board works. Why? Because you want it to. If you don't, in other words, if, if you are, um, if you don't believe in God, you never experience a miracle, right? If you don't believe in ghosts, you're never going to have a paranormal experience. You're always going to have a reason to explain it away. So the fact that we, will things into existence. You know, we, we do do this. We do think about things and then subconsciously you're working towards them and they happen and you say, oh my gosh, how did this happen? Well, you consciously and subconsciously were both working towards the goal. So is it possible that his brain has just, again, been so traumatized that now this is what he sees all the time? Or is this really there? I, I don't know. I mean, I've not, I've had two um, ghost experiences in my life they are not, even though if I told them to you, they might make some of your listeners a believer. They haven't made me a believer. They've made me want to explore more. But neither, no experience is proof. 
we like to say it is, well, it happened to me. So therefore it's true. It's true. Right. You know, I don't believe that. I, I think it's, it's, it's your belief. That's, that's what you've decided is what's causing what's affected you. But you know, to each their own. That's the beauty of uh, the paranormal. You know, everyone's right. got a different take on it. And, you know, if, if we were supposed to know, if it was supposed to be obvious, then we would know and we'd all be following the same rules. But part, half the fun is meeting other paranormal investigators and, and having them teach you the way they do things and the way they think things. And if we stick to the psychological aspect of these events in question, a psychiatrist might even suspect that perhaps what Willie Whitley is experiencing is a bereavement uh, hallucination. Yeah, I, I mean, again, you want something, you want someone to, I mean, why are we talking to the dead in the first place? Okay. So here's an interesting thing. Unfinished in, in business. Religion, in the Jewish religion, if you're an Orthodox person and you talk to your rabbi about wanting to use the Ouija board, it's not seen the same way as the Christian world, where you don't play with that. That's bad. You know, you're not supposed to do that. In the Jewish religion, it's, it's a waste of time. Life is for the living. Oy vey. God is of the living. Yeah, exactly. Oy vey. You know, why? Why, why would you waste your time? You, you, we are all going to die. We're all going to get there. It's the great equalizer. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you know, healthy or sick, young or old. We're all going to the We're same place. Going. So why do you want to talk to someone? You'll have plenty of time to be there when it's your turn. What you don't have a lot of time of is in this world. So experience this world. That's why you're here. You're here to make this world a better place. We'll deal with the afterlife when you get there. That's a Jewish view of that. So I was raised in that, which is, it's not bad. It's just not really going to help you in your life. I hear you. So, so that, that's my take on it. Whereas again, I, I, my father was um, Christian. And so I went through the Catholic side of it where it was seen as a bad thing. Ah. Okay. You know, and those are two interesting takes. So again, we will things into existence. We, we make things, we want them to happen. Therefore they do. And sometimes you believe them. It, what happens with a Ouija board is you start to play the Ouija board and say it spells out a bunch of stuff that scares you. Say you ask a lot of really questions that are going, the answers are going to scare you. And then you go home and then you see shadows. Well, it's possible those shadows were always there. You just never noticed them before because there was never a reason to notice them. Yeah, you're more hyper aware. Now, hey, now that you've started playing the Ouija board, it's allowing it to weave a story. These are dots that are not supposed to be connected that you're now connecting. You have given a story to the sounds that you're hearing and the things that you're seeing. That is very powerful. Again, you are experiencing what you're experiencing. Is it what you think it is? Who knows? It's it's as likely to me that it's not as it is. And, and why does it have to be the same for everyone? Just like there are some people who are um, really talented at sports, you hand them a basketball as a little kid, and you know they're Michael Jordan, right? They're Larry Bird. You know They practice, but they were just really good. And then there's someone like me who's tall, who was always terrible at basketball, just wasn't my thing. So isn't it possible there are people who are very talented at either focusing or communicating with something else? Why not? Absolutely. And going back to cemeteries, would a Ouija board at all be more or less effective at, let's say, a cemetery? Well, it's it's what you believe, right? If if you're someone like me who believes, why would your spirit be at the cemetery? It doesn't. It wouldn't even know where to go, right? Like, how would it know to be there? You have to, in order to believe that the cemetery has an effect on the Ouija board, you have to believe that the cemetery has power. And 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 if you do, then. That's why there is a Ouija station that says never play the Ouija board in a cemetery. 
Understood. You know, that, that, yes. that isn't one of the directions to the Ouija board. That is something that has been, that's an urban legend that has been passed down. Like never um, use the Ouija board alone and always say goodbye. Yeah, you hear that. Yep. And, and those things have power because people believe them. That's right. There's a bit of a lag there. I'm sorry. That's okay. I heard a little bit of a distortion here. I hope the listeners didn't hear that. But anyways, I'm also curious how prevalent, let's say, telekinetic activity is in connection with, let's say, the Ouija board. That it would lead me to believe if someone said that they felt like that things were starting to move around. Again, that ha- that makes me think more of you. So people thinking about the Ouija board might want to think about this. The Ouija board is a telephone. So it's like you were on the phone right now. We're having this interview. Imagine we get into a big disagreement, turns into a fight, gets really nasty. You hang up the phone. You're not going to take your thousand dollar iPhone and throw it out the window and say, I'll never have another one of these in my car again. But that's what happens with the Ouija board. People blame the Ouija board for the bad thing. So you've given it power. This is where things get dangerous and scary. When you believe the Ouija board, a piece of cardboard and plastic, has power, that means it has power over you. Right. And you can't look at it that way. That's where you get into trouble. When you start believing the things that you're getting messages from something you don't understand, you don't know where it's coming from, and you do what it says. Like, that's like going on to public transportation. Some stranger tells you to like walk in front of traffic. Why would you do that? It's the same thing with a Ouija board. You just have to really keep, you know, your, your wits about you. And if, if the Ouija board is saying something you don't like, you just, there's a hang up button right at the bottom. It says goodbye. You just slide it over and you're done. So you just have to remember you're in control. And, and the more you realize you're in control, the less likely you are to have a bad experience. It's funny you mentioned the phone. I believe Thomas Edison also had a curiosity about the afterlife. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He, he invented a machine the that he believed, phone. Uh, right, would, would talk to the other side because, I mean, people parallel everything with the spirit world. If you could talk to someone, you know, a thousand miles away, why couldn't you talk to someone who was dead? So, you know, it, of course, his, his family after he died did as much as they could to erase that because, you know, people look at, oh, okay, so he, he works on this machine later in his life. Well, he must have been losing his scruples. No, what happens is, is he's getting closer and closer to that end. People want to know what's going to happen to you, right? I mean, why do you use a Ouija board? What if the person you cared about was um, killed suddenly? You never got to say goodbye. You never got to tell them how you felt. What if the person um, you know, was killed after you had a really bad argument and you said some awful things and you never got to apologize and tell them you didn't mean it? And, and then what's going to happen to your loved ones? And more importantly, what's going to happen to you? And, and if the Ouija board does anything, it answers questions that nothing else can. Are those answers true? If they work for you and they don't hurt anybody else, then great. Now, Robert, I want you to talk to us about your own personal experience with the Ouija board. Do you recall yeah. your do you recall your first time? Um, I do. Well, I, the first time I used the Ouija board was with my stepsisters. So I, I was the crappy little kid who was like following these much older girls around, and you know they would use the Ouija board to scare me and make me run up to bed. So that, that was my first experience with the Ouija board. But I, like I said, I, I've never had a bad experience with it. Um, I think you have to. I guess you have to define bad experience. But I, I've never been afraid or had anything happen that made me want to get rid of the Ouija boards. I mean, I have like hundreds of them around me all the time and I just have not had that, but I, I treat it with respect, whether it's a, you know, whether you're talking to your subconscious, 
whether you believe there's some kind of telepathy or whether you believe you're parting the veil, I treat all that equally. And why do you think board game companies have been so committed to producing such controversial products over the years, Robert? Well, I, I mean, if, if that's why they're doing it, you, you answered the question. Controversy sells, right? Of course. For instance, you know, the Ouija board, um, it, its biggest year was in 1967, the first full year that Parker Brothers took over productions from the Fold Company. Uh, the Ouija board did something no other game has done before and no other game has done since. And that was sell more copies than Monopoly. So I think they, the Ouija board, I think they probably did that, right? It, it did happen in 1967, and it's the only time it's ever happened. So, um, really, the Ouija board has been the reason the Ouija board is still popular is because people are still dying, and there are still people to talk to, and we still have want answers, and we're no closer to those answers than we were in 1890 when the Ouija board got its name. We're in the same exact place, and again, the Ouija board answers questions nothing else can. So, even if you don't, you're not sure that the answer you got is real, it's better than no answer. That's true. You know, that's why, why we have faith. And of course, going back to um, playing with the Ouija board, you, you said earlier that you shouldn't be playing alone. That's like a myth, correct? It, it's a it's a Ouija-stition or an urban legend. And uh, you know, we see an example of this uh, come out of the 1973 film, The Exorcist. So Great film. We... Uh, yeah, exactly. But a very sm- very short, maybe two minutes at the most, um, there's a scene where Reagan, the little girl, is downstairs in her basement and the mother comes down to check on her and she sees the Ouija board and Reagan tells her mother, "I yeah, I'm playing this. And I ask the questions and Captain Howdy makes the answers and they try to play. And when the mother tries to put her hand on the planchette, the planchette seems to move real quickly. And then they try to ask questions and it doesn't want to answer. And they ask, you know, is my mom pretty? And nothing happens. And they say, oh, he must be tired. And, well, she used the board alone. That's what we know. And then in the movie, and then she becomes possessed by a demon. So the inference is playing alone leaves you susceptible to be possessed. And and I'm not saying that's the only place where it comes from, but that certainly popularized that idea. Yes, I was wondering where that came from. Because, you know, you do hear that every now and then. You shouldn't play alone. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that where it really comes from is from the original makers, where they realized it was a date game, that playing the Ouija board broke Victorian rules. So men and women were not supposed to be in the same room together, um, you know, in a dimly lit, with their knees touching and a board on top of it and their fingers touching. Look, that's why they would say, uh, you know, two people preferred, uh, two people, uh, a lady and a man preferred. How sexy, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's how it works. And have you ever contacted the uh, dead, by the way? I, I don't know. You don't know. That's you a good know, answer. I, I, I've used, I've talked, I've had a lot of conversations with the Ouija board. Have I ever been sure that I'm talking to the dead? Nope. Yeah, you never know. Am I, am I sure that I'm not? Nope. I don't know. Miss P in the chat room says, hello, hello. Ask him about this. While using the board, you can ask a question or make a comment in your mind, and the board will answer correctly. Yes, telepathy. He just said it. Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely can happen. I think um, they've had it, you know, someone will say something like, uh, ask a question that only someone in the room knows, but maybe not even the person who's using the board, right? Just someone who happens to be sitting around and then ask the board a question. That person thinks about it, board gets the answer right. 
Was someone reading someone's mind? Was it telepathy? Was a spirit telling someone the answer? Was it just a guess? Someone who believes in spiritualism is going to say it was a ghost. A psychic is going to say it's telepathy. And a scientist is going to say uh, it was a lucky guess and it was idiomotor response. It was the fact that they wanted it to work. Therefore, they pushed it. Definitely. Definitely. And another strange thing that lots of folks always say, well, I don't think everyone always says that, but I've noticed that a lot of people that get into this, it almost seems like they are the ones that bring this to themselves. It almost seems like they have something already attached to them. Those that I know that got really deep into uh, Ouija boards and let's say um, a spirit box, uh, any of these things, I've known plenty of people and you know, they all say their house is haunted or this, that, or, and the other. But I'm starting to think, do you think perhaps something is attached to them in some strange way? Well, I think we have to remember that, again, it's two people or having a conversation, right? You and something else. Again, you and your subconscious, you and some telepathy, you and something else. If those things are happening, it's hard to just break out exactly what it is and why it couldn't be one or the other. I, I just find that to be a tough, you're, it's putting it in a tough place, right? Like if, if you want it to happen, how do you pull out? Again, you're, it's like making an experiment with human beings that have so many variables that it's impossible to cover all of them. Right. It is impossible to cover them all. And you yourself, Robert, um, I don't mean to make you talk about your personal life here or anything, but I know that you are also married. Um, how has that been, um, in terms of, let's say the current situation right now with COVID-19, no fighting yeah. going on with, with your significant other in terms of, let's say with all, like all these negative things happening, how, um, the Ouija board is seen as seen as a, being negative and demonic and satanic. Has there been any sort of fighting with your significant other during this, um, pandemic, I should ask? No, I'm really, I, I, I had really bad back surgery. I had an 11 hour back surgery in the beginning of February before COVID came and, uh, before it really hit everywhere. And I was in the hospital and I got an infection and it went into sepsis and I almost died. And so I had a real big medical issue going Wait a minute, on. You had, you had sepsis at one time. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a very, <laughs> a really bad infection from um, the original operation and then had to go back in and get cleaned out and then was in antibiotics and had a pick line at home. So I, you know, when you, when you almost die and you are very, very sick for, for quite some time, I am about halfway through, I am nine months through an 18 month recovery. Um, you don't fight about silly things. Uh, stress becomes very different. The, the things that everyone else fights about we don't think about it when we're doing it, when we're fighting about it and maybe being like um, bitchy or like just on someone's case because, right. you know, you're in a bad mood. So you're, you make someone else in a bad mood or whatever it is when it's about health and you, you don't know how things are going to turn out. All that stuff goes away. You don't think about those things. So I no, you know, we haven't fought. Um, about anything in in a very long time. Good. My husband and I also, we, we were one of the first same-sex couples married in the country, um, and that was in 2004. We were already together 10 years before that, so uh, we've been together a very long time, and if there has been a fight, we've already had it years ago. Yeah, the reason why I bring that up is you were seeing all sorts of articles online about uh, couples 
going at each other during the whole quarantine and being, uh, you know, locked in a shelter in place. You see lots of um, domestic violence uh, calls. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, we're human beings are animals, whether we like it to admit it or not. It's true. And we need space. It's, It's what happens when you put animals too close together. They start to snap at each other. And human beings are the same thing, especially when they are human beings. We're creatures of habit. If we're used to having our own time in our own space and suddenly you're smushed with someone 24 seven, that is a really tough adjustment for, for anybody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I've been in plenty of relationships with uh, women that I'm glad I'm not uh, locked, uh, locked up with. I have to say I dodged <laughs> a bullet there. Yes, you did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, now I'm seeing comments here. Um, I'm not sure if I could say that, but, <laughs> well, actually I could. This is from the Earth Observer who says, shit, my partner and I build a chicken coop and a whole big ass garden. Yeah. Well, See, some people, I, I think what's happened is the world slowed down and, and, and the awful part is it took a pandemic to get a lot of people to realize that what they're supposed to be happy with, they already have it's already in their house. It's their family and the people they love. And for the people who are not in those good situations, it is awful. And for the people who are losing people and who've lost people, it is horrendous. But the silver lining is, is that the people are, are finding out, oh, wow, I really like my spouse. I love my spouse. I love my kids. I didn't even know what my kids were doing before. Now I'm responsible for their schooling, just like our parents were or grandparents were before that. You know, we, we live, it, the world changed and it got, in some ways, people thought it got harder. But that was just because it was changing what they were used to. It actually got easier. Everything's the same every day. You know, you get up, get ready for school. You put these kids in front of their computers, you know, they're getting ready for everything up, lunch, this. Everything got more you in front of them, you know, and and I think it brought a lot of people close together. And I also think it it very much highlighted people who had bad relationships, you know, and and I think, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of people who are in bad relationships, you know, blow up. Oh, yeah. We've seen, well, personally speaking here, I know plenty of, well, I'm sure you do too, but we've seen plenty of, um, you know, traditional couples getting into it with one another during this um, lockdown, during the pandemic here. And the reason why I said lots of calls is because, you know, I, I know lots of people in law enforcement and they were telling me that they would take lots of calls, lots of domestic violence calls, uh, because either the guy or girl got mad over something so small and then, you know, physically hit their partner. Yep. Yeah, stress is, you know, the, not having, not knowing where your paycheck's going, um, where it's coming from, not knowing where your next meal's coming from, uh, all that stress being shoved into a very small space with someone is, um, you know, if you don't have a good relationship and you don't have a lot of communication tools, they can lead to some really bad outcomes, you know. That's right. And look at you. You're happy. No problems with your significant other at all. You guys are, He's you guys are the good. greatest guy in the world. I, I am very lucky. He's right. a much better person than me. He's 100% the better half. So he, he doesn't at all get annoyed with you over the uh, Ouija board. If it happened, he was annoyed. That he got over that a long time ago. <laughs> he's not like, he, 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 when, he's when not he like God damn it, me, Robert, stop. Into the <laughs> well, I was already into the Ouija board when he met me. So he, he doesn't know me any other way. Ah, uh, okay. I was just, I was just thinking he's probably like, God damn it, Robert, with the Ouija board again. <laughs> he's, he could tell you the same stories he I probably, tell you. He's heard so many times. He probably got over that a long time ago then. 
Yes. Very nice. Well, I love that. I'm glad you are very open about yourself. I'm glad you have opened up to the audience. It's always nice uh, to hear that sort of thing. Uh, my life is an open book. And, and hopefully, if people heard the stories, they, they found them interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And another strange thing that I do hear from our younger listeners, I'm not sure if you can answer this or not, or even give some words of advice. Perhaps you can, because I'm not even sure how to answer it sometimes, too. Um, once in a while, I'll have a younger listener or two, they'll send in an email. And on this show, you know, I'm quite open. I'm, I'm an atheist, but I'm open-minded. I'm not very closed-minded at all. And uh, a certain uh, guy out there, very young guy, he's an atheist and his parents are hardcore Christians. And he was asking me how, how would he be able to uh, come out proverbially, you know, come out of the closet with his parents there? Yeah, I, I, that's really tough. It I was like, how the hell? Yeah, it's like, how the hell would I be able to do that? Like, what advice just, can I, <laughs> what advice can I personally give this guy? You know what? Most people think that in a conversation, it's you telling someone something else. You're expressing how you feel. But I found if you're having a real conversation, you really care about the other person. You're going to tell them something you don't think they're going to, they've ever heard before or they're going to feel comfortable with right away. You start to ask them how they feel about things. People are a lot more open-minded when you say, hey, you know, I'm kind of struggling with some things and I'm, I'm just interested to hear what do you think about this? And when people tell you the, how they feel, they're less defensive. But when you tell when you tell someone how you feel and what they're saying is goes against what you think, you've already, you're, stopped, you're not listening anymore. You've got your back up. You're ready to argue. You know, you, you just don't hear them anymore. So I found that Advice to younger viewers, if they're talking about anything in their life, whether it's their, you know, uh, who they've fallen in love with or who they're having sex with or um, what they're doing or if they're going to experiment with things, whatever it is, you should, of course, be talking to adults if you're younger, because trust me, they, we, we do know we have more experience about some things. Other things we're clueless about, but we do know some things. But if you when you talk to people and you ask them how they feel about things and then tell them, well, that's interesting because this is how I feel. They've already, you've listened to them. You've heard them. You know where they're coming from. And that helps you talk to them as well. Oh, yes. I agree. It's good to be open and honest about your issues, especially if you have an issue that will affect someone else. It'd probably be best to tell them about that and be completely honest. Huh, I think so. Even though sometimes honesty can really hurt someone, the truth does hurt. The truth always hurts, but the consequences to a lie are much worse than someone hearing the truth and being upset. People will get over the truth. It's hard to get over being lied to because then not only do you not like what you've been told, you've been betrayed. And ironically, in the chat room now, by the way, Robert, or Bob, I'm sure you like being called, right? Most people call me Merch. Actually. Oh, Merch. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to go with Merch then. Well, Maya in the chat says, atheist, hell no, deacon, damn it. See, I, I made someone mad already. I, you know, again, if if my advice to this person is if if they feel strongly about their faith and they they, they feel it is a very strong belief, then you have to have tolerance for other people seeing things differently. The, the fact that someone thinks differently is not an attack on your belief. Most people who disagree think that when someone disagrees, they are attacking them. Simply a difference of opinion. And when, when, once you realize that you should not have that much people, like people don't fight over facts, right? No war has ever been fought over a fact. 
people fight over beliefs. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to tell you what to do. I can tell any person who's listening, the best thing you can ever do is listen when someone else is telling you how they feel about something. You will learn something, whether it's you learn it about yourself or the other person. But you don't have all the answers. We don't know what the truth is. You can live your life according to your beliefs, but that also means that someone has the right to live their lives according to their beliefs as well, as long as they're not hurting anybody. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one. And another strange thing that has been going on, uh, thousands of witches were plotting to cast some sort of binding spell on Donald Trump. What's your opinion on that, on folks that cast spells on people? It's, it's just casting spells are just like prayer. I mean, you're concentrating on a thought and you're trying to manifest your your thoughts into reality, just like a prayer. Um, do I think there's power in that? Yeah. I think there's, I mean, you've got people who, uh, their terminal cancer, they decide not to do anything. They go in, you know, they pray, they whatever, and suddenly they're completely healed miraculously. Did their bodies heal themselves? That's as miraculous to me as a divine intervention, but I, it's the same thing. Do I think you should spend time thinking negative thoughts? No. Uh, negative Negativity is something that as you get older, you realize you have less and less time for. Right. And that can also ruin your immune system as well if you are always negative. It just ruins everything. No one wants to be around you. That's like, true. I, I just cut to the chase. Like miserable people, it, it, you'll find yourself alone. That's right. And misery loves company. And by the way, we do have a call. Are you open for callers here? Of course. Nice. All right. Well, let's take this call. Uh, caller, you are live on the air. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How are you gentlemen doing? I really, I'm enjoying the program. How's it going? I had to lower you a little bit there. You came in kind of hot, but there we go. Now you sound fine. I am doing great. I, I'm enjoying the fourth anniversary. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, just throw out, um, go in there. You know, this is a special time. Um, I'm also, uh, I have some Jewish ancestry and blood and, um, I'm looking here at Deuteronomy. Um, chapter 18, verses 9 through 12. And if you guys don't mind, I'd like to just preach with you here just for about 25 seconds, just so we can keep it kind of balanced. Um, is that okay with you guys? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Well, let me begin. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that marketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or the use of of divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter, with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. Thank you guys very much. My name is David Rubini, Rubini Magic. Peace. Love that. And there he goes. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, and let me just remind the that person who, who just left that... Um, you know, homosexuality was seen as an abomination, as was shellfish. And when I was getting married, um, there were tons of people who decided that I, because of who I was and who I was in love with, shouldn't have the same right to get married. Yet, none of those people were outside of legal seafoods <laughs> or bonefish saying that we shouldn't be eating shellfish, which equally, by the way, God does not decide the differences in abominations. Sure. So if if you can't take... You can't pick what you want. In other words, if you get into that boat where you say, okay, well, it says this, I'd love to for your listener to hear how he ended up completely living the Bible and how his life is a year from now. Because I doubt that most people who do it actually take the whole thing. And if you did take 
even just the Old Testament altogether, you would be, the irony would be hilarious because you have chapters that say one thing in one and then say the complete opposite in another. You know, in the Old Testament, you could stone a woman to death. You can sell your daughter into slavery. Those are things that are not okay today. You can enslave the Jew. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's ridiculous. So I, I, I think that, um, I hear these things are written down and they were meant to, as a, especially as a fellow Jew, these things were meant to keep us special, different. We're supposedly, if you're getting into the Bible, the chosen people, but that was to keep us from, you know, assimilating. Right. Do I think that God creates a world and then tells you all the things you can't do in it? That's not the world I live. But everyone's, again, I, like I said it, I believe I have the right to live the world, live in the world the way I want to. And I, I believe other people have that exact same right. Well, that's true. Some people collect stamps and some people believe the earth is flat. Yeah. And that's fine, man. What's wrong with believing the world's flat? Nothing. Right. It's great. Why fight over it? Who cares? I know it's not flat. It's not going to do anything. What do I do? Hold someone down and yell at them and tell them this is a fact. But when we talk about death and all this other stuff, we're getting into not facts. We're getting into someone who, like your listener, sounded like they believed what they read. That is their reality. And that's wonderful. You know what I mean? That's great if it helps them make be a better person and live a better life and, and not hurt people. Right. But, you know, but if, if I had the chance to do what your listener just did and I got to be on the radio and preach about something, I wouldn't have preached about the things that Bob, that God said is an abomination. I would preach about the things God said he loved. Just my difference, I guess. That's okay. But again, people are going to believe whatever they want. Of course. That's the, you know, that's how it goes. But yes, he's free to believe whatever he wants and he's free to uh, stone children if he wants. I hope he doesn't do that. <laughs> well, if he does, he will be going to jail. That's for sure. Yep. But yes, we do appreciate the call, though. And uh, by the way, we, we have a very, um, pretty amusing number here to call in. 424-666-2425 is that number. Um, I have to say, you know, I did pick that number because it stood out. You don't come across that very often. You do not. And, uh, and just to let you know, I will have to hop off shortly because it's Halloween and I, I do have a, a bunch of things that I have to. No have doubt. To yes. We were going to shut it down very soon here. No doubt. This was a, this was supposed to be a sort of a short sort of a special episode here. But once again, I'm glad you were here and you spent some time with us. And uh, do you think there's anything that we didn't cover that you think was, that is, you know, vital? Just that, you know, we're a nonprofit and check us out at the Talking Board Historical Society. You can, you know, go to our website, tbhs.org, first letters of Talking Board Historical Society, and um, look us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the cool stuff that uh, we like to post interesting, fun things. And and for the people who are, get really bothered by Ouija boards, check out what we did last year um, when uh, Rick Shrek, our vice president, Unleash Ouijazilla, the largest Ouija board ever made. Um, and it was unveiled in Salem, Massachusetts, the witch city. Where else? Very nice. And of course, you have been seen all over the place on uh, TV from uh, the Travel Channel to uh, TNT to CBS. You, you've been all over the place, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's like the old couch. I've been around a long time. Nice. Well, once again, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program and spending some of your time with us here. Um, Robert, we will definitely have to do this again in the near future. 
I would love it. Thank you so much for having me as a guest on Halloween. That's super cool. And, and uh, it's nice to be involved in a special show. You got it. Once again, my friend, thank you so much. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> thank you and talk to you soon, everyone. Mahalo. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Robert Murch. Yes. Let us pray indeed. I think we all should pray a bit here to get rid of all the, the, the evilness that came from the Ouija board just now. We, we need to cleanse ourselves here. I think we need some uh, Paula White here. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of what we need to uh, save us. We, we need some uh, Jesus Christ after that for sure. Oh, yes. Thank you, J.D. Kilborn, for the 333. You appreciate that, yes. And thank you, David Rubini, for that phone call. I appreciate it. You know, you can call back if you'd like, but I, I would say call back in a moment here. I mean, we, we still got to play some Paula White. I mean, I, I want to give want to give the people what they want. And that, of course, my friend, is some Jesus Christ. Wherever I go, God rules. When I walk on White House grounds, God walks on White House grounds. I had every right and authority to declare the White House as holy ground because I was standing there and where I stand is holy. Oh my. To say no to President Trump would be saying no to God. And therefore, and I won't do that. We are in a spiritual war right now. Let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken. Let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. You want me to tell you what my thoughts are? The thoughts of the King of Kings, the thoughts of the Lord of Lords. I'm downloading heaven. Love that. Here we go. I kind of know I'm a little bit cute, all right? I am Paula, who is pretty. Well, maybe I'm not going to be pretty when I'm 90 years old. Here's this former messed up Mississippi girl. Lived in a trailer that they called trailer trash. Daddy committed suicide. Got pregnant out of wedlock. Been married. Been divorced. Not just once. You know, twice. People go, well, how'd you become the spiritual advisor of the president? We'll get to that later. It's all in there. Michael Jackson, Kid Rock, the president. It's all in there, all right? Thank you, Paula. What a great job you do. The evangelicals. I hear we're more popular than ever with the evangelicals. You're the only one that she'll tell the truth. She'll only tell the truth. Southern California is looking at, well, there's already law that's passed through the governor that says the Bible is a book of hate speech and to ban the sale of it. Snapchat was created as the largest human trafficking because the greatest people on there were human traffickers because the FBI and because intelligence could not do it because it's live and it's real time and they can track your kid in less than a second and take them. There's a department of treasury in heaven that God is watching over everything you do and you are storing up eternal treasure that will go so far beyond I think that we can even begin to imagine you need to send in $3,500 oh my and that was Paula White boys and girls she's a charmer isn't she yes that was the spiritual advisor for one Donald J. Trump and I believe we do have a phone call perhaps I should Pop them up here on the fader. Caller, what's going down? Hey, what's going on? Is Michael, this, David Rubini. Is this, call back. is this Rubini? This is the great Rubini. The David Rubini. The one and only. The legend. The original legacy. Hashtag awesomeness. 
Is this the original producer for the legendary Art Bell? Yes, for the last comeback in 2015, I was the first one ordained, picked, selected uh, through divine intervention, through the most high, through Art Bell. And then it touched me. And then I'm, I'm touching all you people right now. And I just want everybody to feel the love. Basically. I, I love that. And happy I, Halloween. Yes, I think the people will appreciate that greatly. And of course, I wanted a prediction from you, Rubini. The Mr. great. I, the, I am very psychic. Yes, um, sir. I don't, you know, take that as a. Um, it's a responsibility. Is what it really is. But go ahead, sir. Yes. Well, U.S. The United States is reporting a record with nearly a hundred thousand new coronavirus uh, cases. Um, um, fake news, hashtag fake news, uh, those numbers, where did you get them from? Uh, the New York Times, CNN? Go ahead, sir. I'm just curious. Journal. I'm just curious. Where do you see this going right now? Do you think all of this is just going to go away or do you think that? I don't think it's um, go going anywhere. I think it's all uh, a scam. I think it's all hashtag BS. I think uh, some people got the flu. People die all the time. But then again, hey, look, you know, um, if there's some like a uh, secret lab of secret scientists you know, there's that event 201. Right. Take a look uh, a little bit deeper into that. I'm not a Q guy. I think that's disinfo controlled by the um, alphabet agencies. But what do I know? I'm just a genius, psychic, awesome dude. Um, but anyways, you're asking my opinion. What else do I think? I think look into event 201, if you're not familiar with that right now, and uh, bookmark it and check that out. And then also check out the back, the real background of uh, what's his face? Um, the genius uh, depopulation man. Who am I thinking of? Apple. You're talking. About, you're, yeah, you're oh, talking God. about Bill Gates now. Bill Gates. Yeah. So look at the Bill Gates' parents and his grandparents, and then look at like you know George Bush's family. Like where do they all come from? I don't know. You know, um, there seems to be something there. He doesn't seem like the real genius. It's just kind of like this nepotism where they just kind of plant these people in. Feel the same way about Elon Musk, and we can go all over the place. But understood. In understood. general, I think COVID is possibly. I'm willing to, be, you know, I have like three different opinions. One, let's look at it kind of like your way, which I, I think we've talked about before. Maybe there's the, you know, evil scientists, you know, and they created this and they let it out. You know, there is something to it, but it's not as bad. It's used, it's being used as a, even if that's the case, nature's way, you know, it's the earth to me is flat. That's a whole nother issue. But anyways, there's so much available space. I don't believe that this, these maps do anything. I think it's just totally ridiculous. I think it's being used as a political weapon to take away our civil liberties. And uh, it's the new, you know, um, like the new Patriot Act, basically. It's like tied in with Agenda 21. And uh, who, who the hell knows how long, like, we're going to be wearing these masks, you know? And, uh, you know, go outside, come back inside, go outside, come back. It's, um, it's definitely, like, really awesome. It's pretty genius. It's the invisible boogeyman. I mean, how can you, like, there's no way to logically, you know, to fight against it. Um, and then everybody just throws out all these stats. And then if you say, you know, somebody like me, like, oh, it's, it's all bullshit, all the stats. I mean, it's like you're just going to be laughed, you know, out of any situation. But right. um, if you're a genius and you rule and you're, you know, cool, then you would understand what I'm talking about. Amazing. So help out, Michael. Yes, sir. And, of course, England. I know it's pretty generic. But I mean, I can Don't go, worry. like, super That's deep okay. if you need me to. I'm just That's trying okay. to, like, Hold get on. broad strokes. And Hold on. We're not done. We're not, keep it clean. we're not done yet. Hold on. England to reenter another lockdown next week. That's what the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson just announced today. Uh, your yeah, thoughts? Boris Johnson is a cuck for the NWO. Keep going. I'm sorry, sir. No, it's okay. Uh, you think he's a cuck? <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. For the NWO, Michael. That's all right. 
I just wanted your opinion yeah, on that. Keep going. Okay, so also your thoughts and opinions on Sean Connery dying at the age of 90. Um, I think he was an overrated actor, to be perfectly honest. He wasn't like my favorite Bond or anything like that. He was like, whatever. But, I mean, he was good. I just don't like have much like praise anymore for like Hollywood idols like I used to. It's like they really kind of suck. Hashtag gay. Nothing against gays. I mean, they do suck. I mean, you know, everybody sucks a little bit. Are you trying um, to? Yeah, I'm just not like really big on them. Are you trying to? On, on actors. I don't worship actors. I could care less. I don't even turn on the TV <laughs> anymore. I have the remote control on the floor with the batteries all over the place. Rubini, like, are you taking, world, are you, are you taking shots, uh, Rubini, at my, uh, my guest here? Yeah, well, I wanted to, you know, I appreciate that too, Michael. Seriously. I mean, that is a cool thing about your show. I've been a big fan for a long time and this is the uh, fourth year anniversary. So I'm honored to be a part of it. Yes, sir. And thanks for calling me earlier and telling me to be a part of it. You have to, you, you have, have to. a balanced show. Um, kind of like the hashtag legacy art. That's what I always, you know, really respected about art. Same with John B. Wells and certain people. Uh, George Norrie, no, uh, but. Do you, you think, know, uh, do you think you George? A, you, you have a very balanced show. So right. I wanted to come in okay. and just be a part of what you have established, which is balance. And so I fulfilled that role today pretty awesomely. And I think I slayed him with Jesus Christ. Hashtag <laughs> Jesus rules. Um, I think you might have scared yeah, him. Yeah, the Gospels were written 200 years after. And, you know, like it's all these pagan, you know, it's all a repeat of uh, regurgitate. But no, Jesus rules. There was a dude named Josephus. Okay, this Jewish, like, uh, atheist, like you, Michael, I don't know if you are. That's just what I've heard. Not to say, I think that you are a Jesus Christ believer that's just playing the, you know, neutral role. But, hey, that's up to you to decide. Well, Rubini, I'll tell you the truth here. Rubini, I'll tell you the truth here. You know, I keep Jesus in my back pocket. Yes, sir. You never know. You No, you do, man. You're a good-hearted. I mean, you, you are um, you're a special guy, and you have a good heart. You have a heart like a Christian. Um so anyways, I'm not going to, you know, get, you know, um, intimate with your spirituality. That's between you and God. But anyways, back to your show. It's like, I love the balance. So I just wanted to come in, bring a little Jesus in there. Love that. Because I have been like, actually myself, like looking, you know, I have some friends who are like turned me on to tarot and I'm watching these YouTube videos and I don't know. I just get this feeling like it's so ambiguous and generic sometimes. But then again, I've seen this, you know, it's like, oh, well, this is the, I don't know. It's kind of like. It seems silly to me, but then again, I know it's real, some of it, but I think it's um, better to stay away from that stuff and just like try to have a direct communication with okay. um, your, you know, your higher power, whatever that is. Uh, hopefully it's Jesus Christ, of course. That's my opinion. You know, everybody has one. Well, it's Jackie Chan, actually, who I worship. Jackie Chan? Pretty cool. Yeah, he's kind of... I like Bruce Lee. You he's know, kind of like godlike. Water. We were talking about that the other day, right? What is it? <laughs> Be like water or... Yes, flow like flow water. Like water? Yes, there you go. What is it? Flow like water. Flow like water. There you yeah, go, my friend, like young, young grasshopper. And by the way, I have one more question to ask you before I let you go, my friend. This is this is from actually. Um, wait a second, are you you're rushing me off? I mean, aren't I? I should be. Don't, don't you find me interesting? You, oh, you want to hang out longer? Off. You want to hang out longer? That's okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I kind of feel insulted, basically. I mean, no, just just forget it. Oh Michael. no, well, I had I had respect no, for you. Go ahead. What was, you, what you know, was your question? I have lots of respect for you, Rubini. So you know, I, I didn't want to I take know, up too much of your time here, I love but I, I love you too, sir. By the way. Lilith in the chat, yes, she's asking. I love Lilith. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want her to email me so I could, like, virtually oh hug her. But it's just like we have this cosmic relationship. We've known about it for a long time. We send each other little winks, and we're best buddies. So shout out, Lilith. Fist bump, Lilith. I love you, Lilith. Love you, honey. Go ahead, sir. So she's asking, what is Rubini's opinion of Heather's show? That's what she's asking. Oh, gosh. God, that's a great question, Lilith. 
Where do it gets personal, you know, like really quick. And so I am a human being. I am mortal, unfortunately. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm subnormal, but sub-mortal? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyways, I think that um, her show sucks shit. Well, that's an honest answer. Yeah, I think that her, I think that her show sucks. I think that it's like this regurgitated nonsense. And I think that she doesn't have it balanced. And I think that she really should look at conspiracies more. And I think that little green men, I think that, uh, you know, chupacabras, Loch Ness Monster. I don't know. We've, we've been there. We've done that. Um, I don't know. Everybody's got a cell phone, you know, or a smartphone. Like, where are these videos or pictures that are like, really, like, where is all this stuff? Like, I just think it's like talking about nonsense. It's like little kids, like getting around the campfire now and like talking like ghost stories. You're like over it. In other words, yeah, you're done with it. I think it's going nowhere. Her show. I think that she'll probably like fade away and like end up nowhere. And probably that's what she deserves because she's really got a bad attitude. She like trumpets like this, like love and all this stuff. But I really like, you know, I'm part of her family. And like, I tried to help her, you know, generously from the heart. Dr. J gets it. I get it. You know, Ross Mitchell gets it. Heath gets it. He's retired. I mean, you know, it's like she's really um, kind of out for herself, and that's really sad. Do we still Hashtag got sad yeah. Heather? Do we still got Ross Mitchell on our team? Uh, yes, we do. Hashtag the voice of God. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Yes. Love that. Wild card line. Love that. Oh, Beacon now. Yeah, we're gonna get it all going on, man. Oh, I'm loving that. And I think that we're going to even implement for you. You deserve it. We're taking you to the next level. See, that's what we could have done with Heather. But no, she's got to like stay in TKO, TKON land. We don't want anything to do with it. It's going nowhere. Okay. Deacon is going all the way to the top. Thank you. That's he's right. already there. He's all the way up at the top. Top talent. And Deacon's just going to, he's, he's a young guy. He's got a voice like John B. Wells, but better. He's got a stronger mind, greater personality. I love his humor. He's only going to get better, stronger, faster, wiser, more awesome. Rubini Magic's going to rub off. It already has been. And so you're going to see Deacon like get on some radio stations here coming up in 2021. So something to be excited about, some terrestrial radio stations. Love That's that. A fact. Love that. Well, once again, Rubini, you know, it's been a blast to talk to you, but I do have to pull this Larry Silverstein style. So before I let you go, uh, anything, you else, anything else you would like to add here before we cut you loose? No, I just appreciate um, everything that you're doing, man. I'm really, really excited that you're a part of my team and our team. So keep on uh, doing a great show, and I'll talk to you again soon. You got it, my After friend. After the show, probably. Peace yes, out, sir. Man. Stay safe. Good night. Happy Halloween, everybody. And there he goes. That was the one and only David Rubini. Can you believe that? That was pretty wild there. I'm glad he called in. I'm glad he decided to call in. And now I have one of my favorite clips from Sean Connery now. Sorry, Sean Connery regrets this conversation. Okay. You did an interview in which you said, it's not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No. Not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. You I don't think, think it's bad? It must, I don't think it's... That bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. And what would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, that they can't leave it alone. Yeah? They don't they want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the last word, but they're not happy with the last word. They want to say it again. And, and 
get into a really provocative situation, then I think it's absolutely right. By the way, John Connery has been married to Micheline. And there it was. My favorite clip from the one and only Sean Connery. Good night, sweet prince. And as we take it home here, Larry Silverstein style, I have a few things to say. If you have enjoyed listening to the program, please sign up over at patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Bonus content will find you there. I also forgot how many of you have written into me. That is touching. I'm flattered. I forgot how many of you are, are um, out there uh, listening. I appreciate that, truly. The heart does beat for those folks out there. That's true. I want to thank all of you out there for hanging out with us tonight. It's been a fun show. I want to thank Robert Merch. I want to thank the great Rubini. I want to thank Lilith and all of you in the chat room. It's been fun. Remember, you too can get a hold of me during the program via Twitter at Michael Deacon. And yes, Lilith right there in the chat. Patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And of course, if you don't want to join Patreon, there is PayPal. That's paypal.me forward slash Michael Deacon. Any amount is good. This is a listener supported program. Keep that in mind. Now, once again, I do want to thank all of you for hanging out and I want to wish all of you a very happy Halloween. It's been a fun time and I do feel nostalgic remembering all the times I used to go out and trick or treat. How sad. None of that exists anymore. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate all of you out there. Honestly, I do. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island earth. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.